Hello, human family. I'm Jocelyn, and I am grateful you're here. You're listening to the Starting With Gratitude podcast. This is a safe space intended to host heart-centered conversations exploring all topics of the human and spiritual experience. Every conversation starts with gratitude and remains rooted in gratitude. After you listen, make sure you join our community by subscribing and sharing. I am so honored you have joined us. It's your girl, your host, Jocelyn. Y como siempre, I am so grateful you are here and so grateful you are tuning into this conversation that is going to be so special and I'm, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with our guest. We're going to be talking about mental health. We're going to talk about art. We're going to talk about spirituality, psychedelics, transmuting darkness into light and so much more goodness that's just going to flow into the unfoldment of our conversation. Our special guest in this episode is Mishko, who is an artist, a designer, a typography experimentalist, a trendsetter. I had to, I had to, Mishko, put that in there. Um, and a kind stranger that I'm having a conversation with for the first time and who will no longer be a stranger after this conversation. Mishko, thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Thanks so much for having me. As always, we start these conversations with gratitude. So I'd love for you to share with us what it is that you wrote down in regards to what you feel grateful for. What I wrote is, I'm grateful for my mental illness. Living with bipolar, ADHD, and anxiety, and possibly more yet to be diagnosed, has been at times debilitating, but also has given me a different lens to view the world with. I'm able to draw from the darkest lows and the brightest highs, transforming my extremes into art that has resonated with and helped others. I wouldn't be where I am today without the pieces I've made to cope with mental illness. They've brought me from a small town in Oregon to surviving and potentially even thriving in Los Angeles. I know I wouldn't have been as willing to throw myself fully into the uncertainty of chasing my dreams without already having my life fall to shambles so many times internally. When all you know is instability inside, the steadiness of a job doesn't have a strong enough appeal to settle. Having fallen on and off a traditional path so often, I finally left behind the guilt of not giving into the expectations of a capitalistic society. I feel strongly that we all have a destiny we'll be led to if we listen to our intuition and don't let others' fear hold us back. We all have our own cards and battles, but I believe we all have it within ourselves to transform them into something beautiful. I literally had <laughs> my eyes closed the whole time that you expressed that because that's such a beautiful expression of gratitude. And I'm excited to dive into that. Um, starting with the very first sentence in your expression of gratitude, which is, I am grateful for my mental illness. I, I feel like that's not an expression of gratitude to take lightly and is one to like sincerely feel grateful that you can actually express that gratitude, you know, and I'm sure that it was, and it has been such a journey for you to actually arrive to this point where you can say, I'm grateful for my mental illness. Oh, definitely. Tell us a bit about 
that journey, like arriving to this point, because I'm sure it hasn't always felt that way where you felt grateful for your mental illness. Um, And at some point, there must have been like a shift in your relationship with your mental illness where you can be grateful for it. Was there a specific moment or experience um, that contributed to that shift? Um, I think it was more just gradual, Um, probably within the past year or two um, is when I really started to see more of the positives in it. Um, Honestly, probably like the biggest shift was getting diagnosed and getting on some medication, specifically for the bipolar. Um, The first half of my 20s was like five months out of the year about I'd be totally gone, just like in my bed, unable to see any amount of like my life going anywhere. Um, just working some minimum wage job that I would just kind of like show up to practice my acting skills, pretending I wasn't falling <laughs> apart inside. But yeah, so like I didn't know about the bipolar thing. Um, and it's triggered just by life changes, stress, anything. And so every year moving on my parents' house, I was moving to a new place whether it was like the home I was living in wasn't it or the roommate situation wasn't quite working out. So just having that kind of huge change annually really threw me off. Um, I kind of had this pattern that went on for a few years where I would be working a job I didn't like and I'd be coming home at night and like working on some personal art projects. And then I'd reach a point where like, maybe I get a few clients and be like, okay, I'm going to quit this job and do freelance. And so I quit my job usually around like June. And then of course I'd end up moving like that month. Wouldn't have Wi-Fi for like a few weeks or something. Get totally thrown off. Still think that I was going to do freelance, not having it work out. End of summer, get another job, repeat. And it wasn't until 2019 where I was working in a bagel shop in 2018 and I was like, I'm not like, I can't come back this next year. Like I just, I can't do this anymore. So I just fully committed. And I think things kind of come to you when you're fully ready for them. Not when you think you're ready, but when you're truly ready. Um, Because somehow in that moment I was, I had the skills, I had everything I needed to actually be able to move forward. And I've been making it work since somehow. Yeah, I totally agree with you in regards to life kind of like falling into place when and as it's meant to, rather than us kind of like forcing certain desires upon ourselves and it like not working out. And then typically when it doesn't work out, we start to believe like, oh, then it's probably not meant to be, or it's not going to happen, or I should maybe pursue something else. But divine timing is real. And I love that you brought that up. And, you know, I asked you if there was a particular shift that contributed to you being able to say, I'm grateful for my mental illness. And you brought up you finally arriving to the divine timing of doing freelance full time. So how, how did that specifically help you navigating your mental illness and like arriving to this state of gratitude? Well, 
I, it's been a, <laughs> it helped feed my soul, mm. which was an integral part of why my depression would come up. Mm. That feeling of like, I'm not on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, combo of other things too. But that was a big um, kind of saving grace. Although the instability of freelancing kind of contributed to the opposite end of that. Um, but I'm, I think through my bipolar, I've really found a big awareness of kind of just the concept of balance. Um, I do think like every kind of rise you have is going to be correlated with a fall and vice versa. Um, they might not be as apparent in the moment. Sometimes it could even be like a physical injury or something. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had ups and downs since the first year of freelancing. I still was unmedicated. I definitely had a heavy manic episode where I was doing a lot of great work, but I was also sending off emails at like 4 a.m. and had moments of stress where I'd like, <laughs> I'd like run out of the house and just be like sprinting around the block, like freaking out about some client that I was like trying to provide all I could for, but it like wasn't enough. But um, part of that is also learning boundaries as someone who's working for yourself. Absolutely. And the other thing that I really want to bring up that you brought up in regards to what assisted in shifting your relationship with your mental illness is actually getting the diagnosis and gaining the clarity of like what's actually going on. Um, I feel like that perhaps can be kind of scary, like going down that journey of actually allowing yourself to discover what the diagnosis may be. Um, And I'm going to bring that up later in the conversation. Um, But I'm, I'm grateful that you allowed yourself to embark that journey and reach the clarity that you feel is very helpful for you to understand yourself more deeply. Yeah. um, Truly. I have to um, thank my mother, especially Um, the first four or so years of my major up and downs, at least that I was aware of. Um, I wasn't really around my family much, so they weren't really aware of it. Um, I'd see them for the holidays and maybe be quiet, but like that wasn't a long enough time for them to really see what was going on. Um, But in the summer of 2019, I was before I was living down in Los Angeles. Um, My mom actually grew up down here. And so my grandmother was, she was living strong and then she had a fall and kind of like went straight from like driving and living her life to like her deathbed. Um, and so I came down just trying to do what I could to help. Um, and I think just like going through that, I learned some other things I won't dive into. There was just a lot that happened within like a month that I definitely like, I just couldn't handle. And so my mom got to see <laughs> the full extent of what I had been living as all that all those years. She hadn't really been around me. And yeah, I just, I didn't have the outside perspective, really. Um, I'd had difficult relationships with friends during certain periods, and then it would kind of mend, and then I'd kind of 
go out and then come back in. Um, but having her see that it was like, no, like you need to help or you need help. <laughs> um, and so she kind of helped push me into just taking that step to like literally just call insurance, find a psychiatrist or like someone, a psychologist. I always get them mixed up. Um, and like actually talk to someone, um, just like part of my ADHD. Like I just, I mean, I could have, but like in my head, like I just couldn't like call my insurance and figure that out. It was just like, I have work, I have other things. There's always something that's more pressing in my mind. Um, so going into that, I had already done a lot of Googling. People say not to self-diagnose, but I'd kind of been like, you know, I think this bipolar thing, there's a lot of alignment with my life and what I read within those symptoms. So I kind of just went in and was like, I think I have this. They asked me a few questions and they're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, and then from there, I saw a psychiatrist who started putting me on lamotrigine, which is actually originally an epilepsy medication to help people stop getting seizures, which at first I was like, what? Like, that's weird. But it makes sense. It just kind of calms down the nervous system, takes those highs a little bit lower and the lows a little bit higher. Um, so the first year of that, I didn't quite have the right dose yet. Um, but I remember just like being amazed because I would still fall into periods of depression, but it would only last like three days, not multiple months. So I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> this, this stuff works. Um, and then I upped it again. And now, like, I mean, I'll definitely have an occasional day where I'm just like, can't. <laughs> but it's usually just like those periods where with freelancing, you know, I don't get work sometimes for an extended period of time. And at a certain point, it's like, will I ever get work? Like, I know I will logically because I have before, but, but it's usually just like a day of like, ah, and then the next day I'm like, okay. Um, and that's made a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to your mom. And the way that I'm perceiving what you expressed is that you kind of experienced your mental illness on your own for a long time, like in solitude. And no one really knew like the bareness of that in you yeah like my roommates just kind of i don't know there, i remember one summer where they're like you're changing like i don't know what's going on with you but like you're not the same you're not who i used to know but like i didn't feel that so i was just like what like i don't know it made me feel really weird but i didn't understand mm -hmm. why they were saying that. i didn't have the self-awareness at that time mm -hmm. do you feel like your mom kind of taking the initiative to help you kind of gifted you the awareness of the importance of like community and like allowing people to see who you really are and how you've really been and like allowing yourself to be vulnerable in that way? Um, I would say somewhat. Um, I've always been pretty open overall. I think it was just a matter of not having that awareness. Mm. Um, but it was... <laughs> It was kind of wild. Um, so before I went down to help with my grandmother's death, I got an email from HBO. And that was like my first like huge client email. I was like, what? 
It's just like mm-hmm. a subject line. Hello from HBO. Um, and they said that they wanted to get me on, like helping out doing some visuals for their new show that was coming out. Um, and that show was Euphoria. Um, and so they wanted me basically to do a piece each week for like the Sunday that the episode dropped of like new episodes out. Um, and so I got to see the very first episode kind of before it came out. That was like really exciting to me. Um, since I was down in Los Angeles, I got to go into the HBO headquarters, get like a little private screening. I was like, Oh my gosh. That's so cool. (laughs) Like I was making art like basically every day for like years. And so that was a moment of like, it works. Yeah. (laughs) Affirmation. Something like it works. Um, anyway, that show, I mean, a lot of people have seen it by now, but you know, it's about a character who has a lot of mental health issues and fell into using drugs to deal with them. But I remember one specific episode, the main character, Rue, she's Googling like Maybe not verbatim, but I think almost verbatim. It was like, do people with bipolar know they have bipolar? And just like that scene hit me deeply. But I I mean, I kind of like was aware of why, but I doesn't fully know. But I honestly, like that episode kind of was the spark for me to be like, wait, maybe like, I don't know. I just kind of thought like people with these things knew they had them. But so funnily enough, that job kind of led me into kind of seeing myself a little bit more. Um, And I'm sure I probably would have watched the show eventually, but I doubt I would have seen it at that time. Yeah. Shout out to art for allowing ourselves to see ourselves in it in an expansive way. Self-awareness truly is so powerful. Um, There's this, this post, this kind of like goes into what we're talking about now. There's this post on your Instagram that I love. And in the graphic, it says, I'm not mentally ill, society is. And when I read that, I was like, that's, <laughs> that's a bar. <laughs> really, though, really, though. Um, but I want to read the caption. Um The caption says, I really believe if we still lived as we did for thousands of years, I would have killed it in the... <laughs> Ah, this made me laugh. Um, I would have killed it in the hunter-gatherer era. (laughs) Um, We don't take care of each other like the communities we evolved to survive in. That said, I'm still mentally ill, LOL, and searching for treatment has saved me and my loved ones a lot of pain and heartbreak that was going on before I knew I had bipolar and ADHD. If you're able to, please take those difficult steps to finding a smoother and more stable way of living. The journey isn't easy, but it is worth it. First of all, I have to ask, would you have killed it as a hunter (laughs) or a gatherer? Definitely more so a gatherer. Um, I I don't really like the idea of killing things too much, Um, like spiders. I'm like, okay, you're just a spider. Like, how can I just like kill you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I I had like a serious ant problem, and for a while, even then, I was like, I don't like, I don't want to like just kill them. And then I was talking to a friend who was like, no, like, there's so much more ant mass 
than like the amount of humans. Like it's okay. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay. I guess yeah. Everything in the universe operates on like this life death regurgitation kind of like <laughs> thing. Um but I think like especially the ADHD aspect of like, okay, I looked here, wait, what's that? Oh, let me look over. Oh, what's that? Like, you know, just kind of this constant like whatever's in front of me that's like the most obvious thing to me is where I'm going to go next. And so in that kind of context, I feel like it makes sense both like exploration, but also just finding new things that could help the community. I would be a gatherer too. Did you have, you know, in the second part you mentioned, you know, searching for treatment really saved you and your loved ones, a lot of pain and heartbreak. Was there any resistance, you know, in, allowing yourself to like get treatment um for years i didn't want to be medicated um i hadn't really done proper research on it but i was like i just didn't want to feel like i was relying on some sort of like chemical compounds that i didn't really know what was going on i just i don't know my parents like were full-on hippies like were of that age and like the 70s and everything and they never expressed anything like they put like my mom ended up finding out she had ADHD, ADHD um later in life and ended up getting on meds but I think just kind of that like installing like the idea of just like trying to hold on to more like natural ways of going about it um yeah I mean I don't know it's just like kind of freaky to think about like I'm going to take like a medication and I have to take it every day. And it's not something where I can like stop taking it eventually. Um, yeah, it scared me. I remember the first, like once I picked it up and I was like, going to take the first one. I was like, <laughs> so terrified. Like I had done like acid and shrooms already before that. And I felt like I was almost more scared to take the thing that would like, I mean, at the time, you know, there's still that, kind of journey of like not every medication works the same for everyone so there's a little bit of that fear too but like I don't I think it was just going into it knowing that it was like a long-term thing kind of scared me um but definitely after a few years of the ups and downs I was like no I I need like I can't keep living this way it's not <laughs> it's not good yeah. And I feel like eventually it does get to that point where you're like tired of being tired, where you get to a point where you're like, I, you have to like, keep it real with yourself and be like, what I've been doing and how I've been going about life has not been working. So I need to try something different. And I think there's so much power and self-liberation and even reclamation in some ways like in allowing yourself to choose differently and to explore new ways and to eventually find what feels good to you. Mm -hmm. um, and being okay with the fact that what feels good to you and works for you may not look the same as what feels good for everyone else. Um, so I'm proud of you for allowing yourself to choose differently and to change and find what feels good. That's 
really important and honestly takes a lot of courage sometimes in this life. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and yeah, going back to that post that you brought up, um, just especially in American society, it's so individualistic that I can't really see a path without medication and the ambition I have and what I'm trying to do in my life. Um, but I remember watching a video. I don't remember where it was, but it was about this indigenous tribe and they were saying like, if someone's depressed, we just like ask them why, and then we provide them with the, like <laughs> the solution. Um, so I do think that there's, there's potential out there if you have the right kind of communities to not need like these medications, but the way that things are going, the rate that things are changing, like it's really, I don't know. I strongly encourage anyone to be more open to that approach, even if it kind of feels wrong to you on some sort of spiritual level or something. We just mm -hmm. don't live in a place anymore where you can really healthily function on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what inspired this, this post and these words, I'm not mentally ill society is like, was there a specific thing where you like, went from whatever that was to like writing these words down? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> Honestly, I was probably having a bad day. And then I probably made that post the next day, or maybe I made that piece late at night. Um, I do have now lately, like when I do have a bad day, I kind of like sit in it, trying to get myself out of it. And throughout the day, I mean, I'm still, I'm still working on all this. Um, I still do have kind of a reliance on smoking weed at times to kind of get me out of those moments. Um, I want to do more proper research and like integrating breathing techniques and all that to kind of get myself off of feeling like that's a need. But after sitting with it for a while, if I'm not able to get myself out of it, you know, I'll smoke a little and then I'll kind of like enter a new mind or headspace where I'm like, okay, I've been feeling this way all day. I'm kind of not feeling it in this moment, but when this like goes away, like when I come out of it, it might come back. But if I use this moment where I like feel together again and I create something out of it, it kind of transfers that energy outside of me, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about journaling. Like that's what writing is for me. And, you know, sometimes when we, I know I, I, I do believe that expression is so important because it's that liberation of like an energy that is within us being like expressed and put out there and like no longer taking up space within us. And as someone who has been an overthinker and someone who does feel deeply and writing down whatever I have going on in my mind has been like that um, release where it's like no longer taking up space in my mind and is being put out on something else outside of me. And also 
aside from the liberation of energy, it often gives me clarity because then I can see it in front of me and it gives me like a different perspective rather than just it being stuck inside of my mind or my body, my spirit. Yes, I definitely, I totally get that. Um, Part of it's like my ADHD and just my lack of (laughs) kind of enforcing this. I do want to also get more into journaling. Um, That brought up a memory of kind of when I was trapped in those deep depression episodes. Um, It'd usually be a few months of just like inability to fight it at all. And then I'd reach a point where I'm like, no, I don't want to feel this way. Like I really like, I would stop feeling so much like the reasons that I'd fallen into the depression and I was just feeling the depression on its own, but I was like, okay, I don't, no more. <laughs> and so I would start to write down my thoughts and then, yeah, like looking at it once it's outside of you and I can just be like, well, that's dumb. That's a lie. Like that doesn't matter. <laughs> and it would really, I feel like, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'd only do that like once and that would be kind of the catalyst for starting to, I still, like I had so many depression episodes. I'm still not really sure how I got out of them, but I do think that I can point to two where writing down kind of what I was feeling did cause a little bit of a shift. Self-expression also just like self-awareness is so powerful. There's this um, other sentence from your expression of gratitude that you shared with us earlier that I want to expand on a bit, which is, where you wrote, I'm able to draw from the darkest lows and brightest highs, transforming my extremes into art that has resonated with and helped others. And also what I'm going to kind of expound on a bit here also relates to this other sentence where you wrote, when all you know is internal instability, the steadiness of a job doesn't have a strong enough appeal to settle. And also where you wrote, I know I wouldn't have been as willing to throw myself fully into the uncertainty of chasing my dreams without already having my life fall to shambles so many times. And what I want to kind of highlight here from those sentences is how like darkness can actually be pretty empowering if we allow it to be. And it kind of sounds like you've embodied that alchemist within you where you've been able to kind of alchemize darkness into light and art has really been that alchemization tool for you and often i think about you know whenever i'm experiencing challenges in my life i look back at this like rock bottom experience that i had back in like 20 around 2014 2015 um and it was like just in so many ways, just the bottom of the bottom for me. And ever since then, I just feel like if I'm going through any challenges, I can look back at that moment and be like, at least I'm not there. You know, like I've experienced bottom before. This is not that. Um, and in so many other ways, darkness is, is really a tool and a teacher and, 
yeah, it can be really empowering. Like I said, if we allow it to be in, I feel like you've, you understand what I'm saying and you've, you've gotten to that point where you can kind of use darkness to your advantage in a way. The last like longer depression episode, I had gotten into the habit years prior and it kind of stopped becoming a habit and more of a need of like creating some sort of art piece and posting it onto Instagram. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with social media, but it gave me an anchor of like when I didn't have any work coming in and I didn't have anything that felt like I was able to progress further into what I wanted to be. At least like I could get my, I could force myself to spend like an hour or two creating something. And even if that's the only thing that I put out that day, it like gave me something. I think without that, I probably would have been so much more lost. Um, but some of those darker posts were really like what kind of started expanding my following online. Um, Cause I think just, a lot of people feel those ways. And if they don't feel it to the same degree, they still, you know, we all have that range of emotion. And I think there's been a big shift the past few years, maybe longer, where mental illness has become less stigmatized. Um, But even still, like, in our daily life, I feel like we don't often see expressions of kind of that darker side. Um, and so I always wanted to try and make it look kind of like something beautiful, um, something that you, you know, you like to look at, but it's still about something like very heavy. Um, and so for a while I was doing those kind of, usually just like a word or phrase. I always was pulling from either something I said that day, something a friend said that day, or just like a thought. I always want it to be very real. Um, So it was like just a true expression of how I was feeling that way, in a way, kind of a diary entry. Um, And then kind of as I would shift a little bit towards like, I don't want to feel this way, I would start to try and reframe it as like, okay, I feel this way, but there's this other side, there's like some hope there. So it switched from like, I'm not going to try and come up with an example, I'll blink, but you know, just trying to shift away from just manifesting that negative energy into something to trying to transform it into like, okay, you feel this way, but also this exists too. Like look towards that. Even if you still feel this way, you know that that exists. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when things really started to change. Mm-hmm. What would you say is one of your most appreciated or valued lessons that you've learned from darkness or from your shadow? Um, kind of going back to what I said earlier, um, just fully feeling balance um, and just being aware, like, Anytime I'm in a darker spot, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just paying it forward for like something great that's coming. Um, And like, I don't always feel that and experience that when I'm in those darker places, but 
I've lived it enough that like at a logical level, I'm usually able to be like, okay, I'm just, I just have to sit here so then I can reach a different spot soon. Let's take a moment, let's take a breather and talk about our partner, Athletic Greens, who I'm so grateful for. They support this podcast, this community, the conversations we have here, and they support our optimal health and well-being. They have a product called AG1 that they introduced me to a few months ago. I've been taking it every single day since then in the morning, when I get home from the gym, before I have breakfast, and I'm telling you it's been a game changer. And I'm excited to introduce you to this product. So what is AG1? In one scoop, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. And your girl has been wanting to take supplements for so long, but the thought of taking all these different supplements, not knowing where to start, just had me continuing to put it off and put it off and put it off. And so when Athletic Greens introduced me to AG1, it just felt like such divine timing and literally exactly what I was looking for. They make it so easy to integrate supplements into your life, which is so important for our health and wellness. Um, and literally you're getting all this goodness and greatness in just one scoop. And I love that it's lifestyle friendly. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free or gluten-free, it is friendly for your lifestyle of choice and it contains less than one gram of sugar no gmos no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good because you know some of these some of these products taste kind of nasty but this one doesn't and i'm keeping it real with you it honestly tastes really good so y'all right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health and to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash swg again that is athleticgreens.com forward slash swg to take over to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance i put the link in the description below for your convenience now without further ado let's get back into this beautiful conversation with Mishko. In um in the initial email that I sent you and I expressed like some of like the potential topics of conversation that we can touch on, one of the things that I wrote down was, you know, using design as a tool for change. And when I first sent that to you, I meant it in the way of like, you know, sharing your designs that bring forth change 
in society or like in your community. But when I reread it, when I like revisited that email and reread that specific potential topic of conversation, I thought, you know, using design as a tool for change internally, like for your own self, changing something within you through Mm -hmm. design, through art, which is, you know, exactly what we're touching on right now. Yeah. And I think by doing that and sharing it with others, it might not have like the same power as it does within you, but it also kind of shows other people in a way of like that range. Um, The amount of times I've posted something that's like, sometimes it feels a little cheesy, but it's always honest. It's always like what I'm trying to express. Um, But like I've posted something of like, feel this way today. Don't feel that way. Um, And I get comments from people are like, I needed to see this or like, thank you. And so like, there is some part of me that's like intentionally trying to share things that I hope will help other people in some way. But in general, it's just my honest expression. So seeing other people express gratitude for that is kind of like, oh, whoa. Like even when it feels like almost like selfish in a way, like if you're expressing it honestly, it shows other people kind of what they need to hear also in that moment. And when I first read that topic of conversation, I was kind of thinking of like more like social justice type stuff with that. Um, And definitely I've had moments where I was like something in the world was going on and like that was the biggest thing on my brain. So that's what I've created around. And I do think there's power in that. Um, I w- what I was trying to do was create something that a pe- would allow people to share it to their own audience and give kind of their thoughts. Um, with Instagram, I always love to look at like if people are sharing it to their story, like are they writing anything? Are they like kind of resonating with it? But it's a hard balance on the internet of like, there are definitely periods where I fell into being inflammatory because more people are engaging. The algorithm loves drama and controversy. And I kind of let my ego fall into like, ooh, this is nice. Ooh, look at all this. Um, But kind of realizing like, am I doing anything to help? Like, or am I just creating an opportunity for people to fight each other in the comments? Um, And so I still do think there's power in commentating on what's going on in the world and i still feel that deeply and i'm sure i'll return to trying to express that too but now i guess my approach is to try and just lead by example rather than trying to lead by like here's how i feel you should feel this way too um and so i guess like i do care so much about what's going on in the world but if I can kind of show people through my journey what's possible with their own journeys and kind of hopefully empower people to be like, no, you don't have to fall into like what you think you have to do. That in itself can be a subtle form of revolution too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think especially during these recent times, we, so many people have felt so helpless and like, this desperation to like want to help and change the world and make a big difference. And it can feel so overwhelming. 
Um, and then those like thoughts of like, well, there's nothing that I can really do. Like there's no big difference that I can make. Like these problems are so big. I feel so small, like what? And then, you know, you kind of like spiral into this helplessness, but I really do believe in the power of us holding like just the, the little things, but they're not little, like holding ourselves accountable and taking responsibility for our actions and showing up in the world in a way where, you know, we'd like for others to show up in as well and being that reflection, um, expressing our truth um, with like loving kindness and pure intention. Like those, again, little, but really not little things really do create, like imagine if we all did that, Mm -hmm. that would be, that would change the world. Um, And also realizing that like, you know, sometimes we think we only look at what's right in front of us for proof and evidence of like the change or the impact that we're creating in the world. But we don't realize that there's like such a bigger picture where we don't, we won't see all the ways in which we're creating an impact. Like it really is so much bigger than us. Um, And that's something that I've been reminding myself of quite often in these past, especially in the past couple of years. So all that to say, I definitely agree with you. When I look at your designs, in all honestly, in all honesty, I think like psychedelic. But there's a couple of things I want to touch on in regards to that. One, I feel like that's kind of basic. So I want to ask you, like, how would you describe your designs? And then after that, I want to touch on psychedelics. Yeah, I feel both conflicted and totally okay when people describe my art as psychedelic. Um, I've done enough psychedelics, I'm sure it's worn off on how my art is expressed. But I would also say it's like equally informed just by biology and kind of just like natural, like how energy flows. because if you, I mean, I guess the bright colors kind of mess that up. But if you looked at my art and you were thinking about like water or something originally, um, like that has been just as much of an influence to me. Ultimately, though, like a lot of it has the wobbliness. And there's a tool within Photoshop called Liquify where you can just like push and pull the image that you're working on. And I just found that to be a really kind of like soothing experience of like creating because I've never been the best at like drawing anything where like well with other forms of expression I feel very confident about like starting from a blank space but with visuals like I started as a photographer um and so once I started slowly manipulating my photographs it started opening up a new way of creating for me. Um, And so a lot of my art is just born from like, okay, what if I take this thing and I just mess with it for a while? And then I would say like the other influences are, I want to say like VHS covers growing up. We had a bunch of VHSs. We had like an old, old TV for the longest time. Um, And they all like, they're all kind of scratched and distressed because they're old. 
And so I think that, and then also seeing old family albums with like photos from the eighties of my parents, like it's kind of just this feedback of nostalgia as well. I think nostalgia is forever the biggest trend, especially now that we're in this like new chapter where it's like, what is like anything's possible now? I don't know what terrible thing or amazing thing could happen, but I guess it'll just happen. And nostalgia helps us kind of feel a little bit more grounded again. Um, I'm kind of like going on and on, but I guess <laughs> if I had to call my art like some sort of genre, um, psychedelic glitch is kind of what I came up with. Um, I had a friend who was like, super design nerd i don't know i'm like into it but i just consider myself an artist i wouldn't say i'm like i don't know like terms or like people really um but he said something that really i was like okay i like that um are you saying like glitch art is kind of like modern grunge because we so much of our lives is spent staring at a screen and it's just so clean and perfect and like just like no imperfections but like our natural world is nothing like that you can't look at anything without seeing some sort of imperfection even if it's just like a little bit of dust on the tabletop and so i think i wanted to just bring more of that like visceral physical feeling into this like digital form um so i guess my art's just a combo of all <laughs> all of that happening yeah i appreciate you expand like expanding on all that um and what really resonates with me in regards to your art is the water element i hadn't really thought of that and the fact that the tool is called liquify um yeah because if you think of water it's really like when i think of water i think of you know going with the flow i think of allowing yourself to feel i think of depth i think of reflection um, and I feel like all of that is present in your design. So I love that. And transitioning into psychedelics, you mentioned that that has been a big part of your spiritual journey. And, you know, in this conversation, we've talked a lot about, you know, um, your healing journey, wellness journey. But let's talk a bit about your spiritual journey and your relationship with psychedelics, whatever you're open to sharing um, I'd love to hear it. Growing up, like when I first kind of heard about LSD, I think I just like immediately was so curious. Um, and I think for me, it was like growing up reading fantasy books, especially like it just sounded like a way to experience magic. <laughs> and so I kind of always wanted to try it. And then let's see, I'm like trying to backtrack my journey here i don't know i did i tried it a few times and it like remember the first time it kind of like broke down time for me for the first time where i was like i couldn't really like describe it but i was like whoa like time isn't real um i remember like i was trying to get a blanket from my room to lay down because we had this like laser star projector i was like i'd be so great if we just like lay down and look at that um and I just, I don't know how to describe it. I remember I was like, oh, I'll be back in a minute. Like, I'm going to grab it. And I was like, wait, no, I won't be back in a minute because minutes don't exist. They're just like, we just invented them. And then I was like, just fell into this tumble. But that kind of helped me um, break free of, I used to have 
like this crazy anxiety about growing old. Like even like if friends would joke like, oh, you're going to look so funny, like with a big nose and big ears and you're old. I'd like almost have panic attacks just like thinking about that. Um, and so psychedelics helped me to be like, wait, no, when I'm older, it's going to be the exact same as now. My body will be different. I'll probably have more money and stability. So it'll probably just be better. <laughs> um, so that was kind of a big, like I stopped fearing the future and started looking towards it with excitement. Um, so that was a big change. But probably the biggest shift for me was the first time I tried to meditate on an LSD trip. Um, I was just in my room alone, had the windows open, could feel the air. And I can't really remember if I had been trying to get into a practice of meditating before that, or if it was just a spur of the moment, like, oh, I should try this now. Um, but I just kind of sat there and I realized a mantra for myself, kind of uh, like trying to get to this, but also <laughs> backstory. So my dad is like super science, like logic, like not very emotional, like, his, he's very caring and loving, but like his capacity for emotional empathy is a little bit lower, but he's like really big on just like the scientific process. But at the same time, his views probably line up the most. If I were to do like a religion with like kind of Buddhist views, I remember he like, he didn't really explain much of it to me, but I knew he was like reading books and like kind of experiencing that. I remember growing up, like walking into his room once and he was like sitting on a pillow, like on the ground meditating. And it freaked me out as a kid. I don't know why. I was just like, what? I don't know. It almost scared me, <laughs> um, which is kind of weird. But <laughs> anyway, so I kind of like, I was aware of meditating, but on this trip, I was like, okay, like I took physics in high school. I do think like we're all atoms in empty space. So like kind of the mantra I, had in that moment was okay i'm nothing because i was just like trying to feel that empty space but also i'm everything because i'm like i was trying to basically break down my body and just feel kind of the seamless transition um so i just kept repeating like i'm nothing but i'm everything and just like kind of trying to say that over and over again. meditating has never been something that comes <laughs> easy to me i think a lot of people experience that but my thoughts just are like I still, I get the concept of standing outside and observing your thoughts. I don't know if I've actually experienced that. Um, but anyway, during this kind of meditation, I was sitting there, my eyes closed, feeling the wind, repeating that phrase in my head. And then I started to see like light rays kind of bursting through with my eyes closed. And I was like, okay, this is what like religious people say when they mean God. I was like, okay. I was kind of in between atheist and agnostic growing up. Um, I think just, I grew up in a really small town. It was mostly conservative, but there was also a little bit of like a hippie liberal balance. So it wasn't as bad as like the deep South, but it was, it was a rural town. It was mm -hmm. a logging town. Um, and I kind of like, forced myself into such a state of denial that I didn't realize consciously that I'm gay until like a year out of moving out of that town. Um, and I, so I think just like growing up in a place where like 
one of my best friends was like a Christian Baptist. And I remember we talk about like marriage equality and he would be like, you know, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with gay people, but like, they shouldn't be allowed to marry. Like that's, you know, that's like, that's not like how it's supposed to be. So kind of like, because of my experience with that, like all religion, I was like, no, no, no. Um, but that moment I was like, okay, I get it now. Um, and so that kind of helped me to start seeing everything a little bit differently. I still didn't like the word God at that point, but I kind of, I threw in the universe. It allowed me to like experience and feel the same things without putting it into this like weird internal discomfort that I had with Christianity at that point. Um, and then fast forward a few years later and it was here in Los Angeles actually in this home and I'd been living here for a month or two and I was like you know what like I have a little bit of LSD I'm just gonna do it by myself and I had a hammock set up and I was like okay I've like had this kind of experience of like these light rays coming in and it fascinates me and this kind of comes with this feeling of like euphoria um <laughs> that show tying that back in called <laughs> Um, but so I was like, okay, what if I just like go into this, like in a meditative mindset? Cause I mean, usually when I would do some sort of psychedelic, I'd put on like an album that I really liked and try and transition into it in a calm, like nice headspace. But this time I was like, no, I want to be outside just fully, just try my best to meditate. And so it started coming on. I started seeing the light rays, but that time I was like, I want to go further. I want to go further. So I kind of like burst through and then I don't know how to explain it other than I was just like bathing in light. I was surrounded by light. Um, and in that moment, I was like, I guess like this is kind of what people say death is like. Um, and so I, like, I wanted to go into it further. I, backtracking before that <laughs> i was really again doing that mantra of like i'm nothing and everything but i was really trying to focus on my body and i kind of combo of intentionally and unintentionally i was trying to like dissolve my body and i like watched the avengers movies last winter out of curiosity i don't really care for that whole <laughs> marvel machine but i was like okay whatever it's the biggest movie anyway so i describe it as like when they all get kind of dissolved and like turn into sand and like disintegrate, it was kind of slowly. It started at my feet, kind of went up my body. And then like, once it reached my head, that's when I fully burst through. And I was just like, like bathing in light. Um, and I guess in a way I could still feel my body, but I just felt this sense of like the best feeling that I'd ever had. It was like the ultimate calm. And I was like, everything that's happened to me doesn't matter. Anything that could happen to me doesn't matter, but in a positive way. Um, and I was like, I could just be here forever. Like, I don't need anything else. Um, and then I was like, what if I try and go further? And so I had like the out-of-body experience. I wasn't like looking at my body, but I could like feel myself kind of rise a little bit. And then I reached this point where I was like, okay, this is really great. But like, what if I go further and I can't get back to my body? Like, am I going to actually die? 
I was like, I don't know if like you can die just from meditating on acid, but I was like, I don't know. This is like so visceral. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I'm okay with dying right now. Like if this is death, like it's great. <laughs> yeah. But my, um, my landlord is my neighbor. And so I was like, and she's like this actually like really sweet older lady, um, which is very rare for a landlord. But I was like, I can't just like die. Cause then she's like, then be like, where, where is, like, where are they? And then like, going to be a smell and they're just going to go back and see my corpse in a hammock. And I was like, I can't, can't do that. And they're going to call my parents and like my friend, like, it's just rude. So I was like, okay, let me go back. <laughs> so I kind of like reintegrated my body. I like felt like mentally I had to put my body back together. Mm. It was the weirdest feeling um and then out of that i still felt really weird internally for like a good two or three hours and it wasn't like the nausea that i experienced previously with psychedelics it really did feel like i'd ripped apart my organs and put them back together mm -hmm. and so i remember really really quick what's coming up for me in regards to that is like you had to like remember yourself like literally like remember yeah, yourself yeah yeah that's a good way to put it um, but yeah, that was a pretty big experience, definitely like the most spiritual experience of my life. Um, I remember like I opened my eyes in the hammock and I think I literally said verbatim, like, well, I guess I'm probably enlightened now or whatever. And then I just like went on <laughs> with my experience of that day and I like understood how big it was, but it wasn't until like a few days later when I was like, kind of remembered that I said like, I guess I'm enlightened now or whatever. And I kind of was like researching people's experiences. And I was like, oh, like, I don't know if I could say I'm enlightened. Maybe I can, but I definitely experienced enlightenment in that moment. And then I kind of felt like coming out of that, that I understood how everything works i don't know how it works exactly but i felt like i just kind of understood it all um and then like a year or so later i was having drinks with a friend and i don't that didn't come up but somehow it ended up like they told me about an experience they had as a kid where they medically died for a few minutes um like in the hospital and they were just telling me about this experience and it was almost exactly the experience I had during that meditation. And I was like, Whoa, maybe I would have died. But also like in that moment, I was like, okay, like I'm pretty dang sure I know what dying will be like now. And so it really made me feel totally free of like, I mean, I, I don't feel that way in my day-to-day -day life anymore. But when I remember it, I'm like, okay, okay. Like in a non-morbid way, I look forward to dying. <laughs> it'll just be this nice, very beautiful moment. I don't know what'll happen after that. Personally, I fully believe in reincarnation. A combo of energy cannot be created, destroyed. And then the earth, I, it has gravity. So I feel like if our souls are energy, we're kind of like bound to this planet, at least for now. I've heard a lot of interesting kind of theories about 
Like you have to live a certain amount of lives to kind of grow. Um, my friend's been reading this book about like you kind of have a soul family that each life you encounter those people and you have mm -hmm. to teach each other lessons. And if you don't learn whatever lessons that you need, then you're going to run into them again in the next life. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of, I mean, as far as that goes, I'm like, I'm open to it. I have no idea. But um, I do like the idea that like you have to live multiple lives before you can transcend into another level. And I don't even know if we can transcend into another level. Maybe mm -hmm. it's just this loop but um yeah i don't know like i before that i i kind of would tell myself i wasn't afraid of death but you know there's still that like what's gonna happen like it's kind of terrifying it's just over you're just not here anymore mm -hmm. um so now i'm like <laughs> in a way i look forward to it yeah. um, i'm still scared of the actual process i hope it's like not too bad for me yeah trying to manifest uh just going out in my sleep <laughs> yeah but yeah that that experience especially um i know that people can enter that space solely from meditation but i don't think the way my brain operates that i would have been able to really reach that level without psychedelics um and so yeah in my day-to-day -day, i don't always like feel that and remember it but overall i would point to that as like one of the biggest changes in my life yeah like you can look back at those experiences and kind of like recenter yourself and the truth that you discovered there mm -hmm. yeah those thank you for sharing all of that those psychedelic experiences those lsd experiences sound so beautiful and i love that multiple times you express that you just felt like this liberation because i feel like that's truly how our natural state of being is is very liberated and like even when we talk about like healthy relationships and whether it's relationships with ourselves or with others or with our career like a healthy relationship feels freeing to you you know um and i think there's so many depths to that but i guess moving forward would you describe yourself as like spiritual um yeah how would how would you and also you mentioned like that you'd like to get into journaling and you'd like to explore breath work but what spiritual practices if any do you actually like do you currently turn to and and have found helpful i think just creating um because i think art in itself is inherently spiritual if you're being honest with it because yeah as we've talked it's just a way to kind of transform your energies after moving to la like it's very there's a lot of things about LA that are so LA. Um, <laughs> like I kind of heard of manifestation and synchronicities and angel numbers and all these kind of like things where I was like, okay, sure, whatever. But kind of after just like living here and having some of those spiritual experiences, 
I do think there's something to all that as well. Um, and part of me is like, maybe it's confirmation bias. Like, sure, I, I'm not going to, I'll still, there's still always a little bit of a skeptic in me. But um, when things are going really well and I'm fully open and I feel like I'm on the right path, I do start to see connections and things that aren't there when I feel just like in a state of stagnation. Um, like, I don't know, it's, it feels beyond confirmation bias. It's like looking at my phone, it's like, oh, it's 11.11. And then I like sit down and do some other shit for a while. And then, oh, whoa, it's like 1.11 now. And then like later it's like, oh, it's, how is it 5.55? Like, how am I just like looking at my phone at these specific times, multiple times throughout the day? Yeah. Um, so like the angel numbers thing, I don't think that we as humans can ascribe meaning to like a string of numbers to me that's a little bit like naive to think that we have that much understanding but i do like to see those things as like a little wink from the universe or god or whatever that you're doing well just keep doing what you're doing right now mm. um the same with like synchronicities um like if I'm not in good spirits, I don't notice like, oh, I was talking about this thing with a friend and now I'm seeing it like, and I haven't thought about it in years. But when things are going really well, I feel like it can even be multiple times a day where I'm like, how is this like random movie or actor that I mentioned in conversation? Like, how am I now seeing them like <laughs> elsewhere? Like, I don't know. It's like, it's beyond coincidence to me. Um, like I, I don't know, like after kind of my experiences and really embodying the spirituality that's come with them, like I no longer really believe in things like luck. I think that we all have our own paths and our own destinations. I think that fate is a thing, but I also think that we have the free will to mess that all up. Um, but I think if you are truly just like, listening to your gut fully following your intuition even if it seems crazy at times if you really truly follow that you'll see things maybe it's like a few days later maybe it's years later where you can point to that moment where you listen to yourself you're like if i hadn't done that i wouldn't be where i am now but going again back to that idea of like things will come when you're truly ready for them um and that's the thing with like the idea of manifestation. Um, like I'll have like big ambitions. I'm like, this is going to happen this year. And it's like, okay, I can manifest that all I want, but I'm not ready for it. So it's not going to come. Mm. But if I put myself into that headspace two, three years down the road, I'll be like, oh, <laughs> here I am now. Yeah, I feel like in regards to that, it's about opening yourself up to receive mm -hmm. and not necessarily attaching yourself to when it is that you'll receive it. Yeah. I think that our responsibility is more so in our receptivity than in trying to control when it's going to happen for us. Definitely. And I love earlier how you mentioned like they're like winks from God or the universe. That's really cute. <laughs> um, this has been such a lovely 
wonderful, open, vulnerable, soft conversation. I appreciate you so much. I could go on and on in <laughs> conversation. Um, and there's literally so many other questions that I could ask you, but I'm going to bring this full circle before we get into the final five, which are just five brief fill in the blanks. Um, I believe that one of my beliefs, which you kind of touched on is that we experience this lifetime and we experience ourselves. Like I'm experiencing Jocelyn for a reason, because she comes with certain experiences and a certain personality and certain, um, et cetera, et cetera, that will assist in my soul development. I do believe that each lifetime assists in the development of our soul. Um, and who we are in this lifetime comes with, again, a certain personality, certain traits, certain interests that assist a partic particular aspects of our soul. That said, what do you feel like if you kind of separate yourself from Mishko, what do you feel is part is a big part of your of your soul development in this lifetime that you as Mishko is assisting you with? I guess I kind of where I've reached now, um, I feel like for me, I just have to put everything I can into seeing myself arrive at the full potential I see inside of me. And I think by doing that, I will be able to continue to inspire other people to do that as well. Um, so part of it's like selfish ambition, but also like people have already said to me on the Instagrams and all that, like, that I'm a huge inspiration. So if I can continue to push and expand upon anyone's possibilities or expectations of what I might do, then I can help pass that along to others as well. Um, I do now see myself like, I don't know, I've had friends and even um, a high school teacher when I asked them for like a letter of recommendation who like he wrote that I'm a leader by example. At that point in class, I was ridden with social anxiety, um, but just the way I conducted myself. Um, apparently other people saw something in that. And then I had moments where like a huge opportunity would come my way and I'm like, how? And my friend would be like, you're a leader. I'm like, what? But now, yeah, if I, I just try to lead by example as much as I can and I think, the further I'm able to push that, the more my soul will grow and be able to pass that along to others. Mm -hmm. And if I may share, I feel like Mishko, the artist, definitely is in large part assisting your soul development, like you creating art and expressing yourself in that way. Um, may have been something that your soul has really needed that perhaps in other lifetimes may have been missing. Um, I mean, 
who am I to say, but definitely feel like you as an artist, there is a big, um, a big empowerment there for sure. Yeah. Um, and kind of my friend that I was mentioning, who was really diving into the idea of like the soul journey throughout multiple lifetimes brought up the concept of like, you know, maybe you start out as kind of a fresh soul. And as you go through more and you pull more and you integrate it more, you kind of go from that to being a little bit more of a teacher soul. And I don't know if I would say I'm quite at that level, but I could see if I allow myself to see the world like that, I can already see myself kind of heading towards that. Um, even if it's just teaching by living my life and trying to be as open and honest as I can. Um, I love that. Shout out to that friend who you can have these conversations with. I love the, I love those people. Um, before we get into the final five, I'd like to hold space for you in the case that there is anything on your heart that you feel the need to express that maybe we didn't touch on or you'd like to share with the listeners. But if not, no pressure. It's all good. Um, the thing that comes to mind is going back to that idea of destiny. Um, I think that internally, we all know what we want to be doing um, outside of our ego. Um, because if you let your ego dictate that, like we see this with social media of all these people trying to be influencers and treating themselves as celebrities. But um, like I always knew inside that I wanted to create. Uh, my end goal is to end up in like the film and TV world. And where I grew up, like that, that's not a thing people do. <laughs> you don't, you don't do that. Um, and so I kind of didn't let myself see that as a possibility until moving forward. Um, but I remember one moment <laughs> that really like changed my outlook on things a lot. And it's silly, but it was my little sister's high school graduation. And again, it was like a small town, but there was one kid where, so like, as they're being called their name and getting their diploma, they like write like, here's like, am I gonna go to school? Like, what am I gonna do next? Like, what do I want to do? And this one kid wrote like, I'm like gonna get into wastewater management. And I just remember thinking like, like you're <laughs> basically telling your entire town that you're trying to get into poop water. And that's not something that you would just like, do and say openly like that if it wasn't kind of like where you're meant to go in a way mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> if there's someone out there who like genuinely wants to like get into wastewater management like that's not something i want to do at all i can't imagine anyone wanting to do that <laughs> like clearly this person that's what they feel called to so much that they're expressing it mm -hmm. and so that's when i really like felt that deep within me of like no, if we all kind of follow, like, what are we called to? And we don't let the obstacles and the fears of others hold us back from that. Then I think we would reach a point where everything would have harmony. Like everyone would kind of be providing to the world and society, like the thing that they have to offer. Um, and that's kind of like what I mean by we all have our own destinies. And I think often we can point towards what did we want to do as children? 
and not like those dreams. I mean, maybe sometimes like the dreams of being an astronaut, but like, what did you like really truly want to do? Like without any sort of filters put onto it. Mm-hmm. We yeah. listen to our intuition and we put in the effort. It's not easy, but we will get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I too agree that, you know, if, we're not in a state of resistance to life and how life is unfolding for us. And there's no suppression of our true self that it would bring so much more harmony and balance into the world. And I feel like that kind of touches back on when we talked about like the impact that we make in the world, like not underestimating the power of just being your true self and allowing yourself to express yourself in however your heart desires um so yeah thank you for sharing that i'm glad that that i asked um if there was anything else um okay so final five are just five fill in the blank sentences you can just say one word or more than one word and whatever just first comes to mind just no need to overthink it ready all right okay i am grateful to know um my best friend um, the one who is talking to me about all this soul stuff. Um, yeah, I could elaborate, but we're supposed to just keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> I am grateful to feel. Um, to feel the impact of my journey so far. I'm grateful to overcome. Um, to overcome my own fear and inability to see my full potential being realized. Mm. I'm grateful to accept. Yeah, tying right back to the beginning, um, just my mental illness and the positives and negatives that it's brought. And I am grateful to give. To give just the inner essence of myself and have it actually seem to be creating some sort of impact. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Beautiful expressions of gratitude, beautiful conversation. Like I said, your girl could have gone, could (laughs) have kept going. (laughs) Um, So, and I, I really appreciate that. I love, um, meeting people and aligning with people and conversing with people who I feel like I could just continue in conversation with. Um, And in large part, that has a lot to do with also how the other person is showing up and their openness and willingness to exchange. So thank you so much. Um, And I'm sincerely so proud of you. So thank you, Mishko. So much for having me. This was beautiful.